You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, Trot's watch ends with a whimper, Wheeler hits the trade board, and Dubois' uncertain future. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right. Great to be back at it. I wish I could say back at it, rested and refreshed after coming back from some time out of town. But when that time out of town includes a bachelor party and then a work retreat with an 18 month old traveling for the first time heading to the States. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely exhausted and I need another vacation ASAP. <laughs> You know, I, I never understood people that just wanted to sit on the beach and do nothing for a week. I totally get that now. I, I yeah, Sign me up for seven days of nothing. But I am pumped to be back in Winnipeg and pumped to be back at it here. And, I mean, what a time to come back, eh? I mean, not only is the Stanley Cup now awarded and the offseason officially here, but... Leading up to all that was a week full of major, major Jets news and rumors. You could arguably say the Winnipeg Jets are the most intriguing team heading into the closing days of June and the wild, wild opening of July coming up soon. I mean, we could see some massive moves here in Winnipeg and the entire NHL as well in just a few days' time. So let's get right into the trio of noteworthy items from the past week. And I know a lot of people were upset, disappointed, hopeful that Trot's Watch would come to a different conclusion. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the episode. But I do want to start on the player personnel side of things because that, to me, is where a lot of the intrigue lies and in, in what is ultimately going to determine the outlook and the trajectory of this Winnipeg Jets franchise going into this season next season and future seasons as well. So we'll get to the coaching, I guess, change up and the uh, coaching search 2.0 in just a second. But to me, the biggest bomb that was dropped this past week was not that Barry Trotz will be coaching nowhere this upcoming season, but it was the report from Frank Saravalli that the Winnipeg Jets have begun to explore the market and engage teams on the possibility of moving Captain Blake Wheeler to the point 
that Wheeler finds himself third on Frank's trade bait board heading into the offseason. Now, I know some people, first off, might roll their eyes and say, oh, that's, this is clickbait. No way this is going to happen. But let's not forget that Mr. Saravelli tweeted out the entire Seattle Kraken roster before ESPN got to air. The dude is well-connected. And I, especially in situations like this, when somebody's reputation is on the line, they're going to make sure that they check with their sources and that they know what they're talking about here. So, look, it's no guarantee that Wheeler is fully out the door soon. I get that. I think it's fair to say it's quite clear that this is actually a legitimate possibility, and that's something I didn't anticipate going into the offseason. I mean, we all know the turmoil that is been a, a buzzword inside the Winnipeg Jets locker room for a few seasons coming to a head this season, but when you take into account that Blake Wheeler is the longest serving member of this team, the captain, 8.25 some odd million dollar cap hit, I just, I, I didn't think that the Winnipeg Jets were going to make and, and take such a drastic step in retooling this team, but it does feel like this is something that has has kind of gone from pipe dream into we might have to prepare ourselves for a completely new look Winnipeg Jets squad for game one at the start of next season. Now, initial thoughts on this. If, if Wheeler truly is out there and available for any team to grab in a trade this offseason. You know, where I first went with it is that... As the Winnipeg Jets regular season was coming to an end, it was clear that this was going to be a disappointing end to the year, no playoffs, well below expectations, all that. There were a lot of people, you know, when it came to the coaching search and the the potential outlook of the team going into next year, comparing the Winnipeg Jets to the Calgary Flames, saying, look, the Calgary Flames change head coaches, a more experienced, no-nonsense guy comes in, culture shift, essentially the same group of players the next season turns into one of the best teams in the NHL. And all that was done was changing the head coach. A lot of people wanted to go that route. And and that there was certainly merit, I think, in potentially going down there. It's something that could have worked for the Winnipeg Jets. But I, I mentioned this a number of times over the last couple of months. But I, I always felt like there was an alternate path that another team took that wasn't really being discussed in the same vein and, and as frequently as the Calgary Flames. And that was what the Minnesota Wild did the previous offseason. And with the news that Wheeler is potentially up for grabs and Mark Scheifele as well as on the trade block, two, maybe the, the, the two biggest members of the leadership group on this team right now, it reminded me so much of what the Minnesota Wild did the previous offseason. And it's why I think, you know, I, I don't know if Kevin Chevalier is trying to mirror that, but he's certainly going way, way, way more down the Minnesota Wild route of things as opposed to the Calgary Flames route of things. And that's potentially taking a loss in the short term to change the culture and set the organization up for success in the long term. Because as you remember, the Minnesota Wild infamously bought out both Ryan Suter and Zach Parise despite a massive, massive hit on their salary cap for the next several seasons moving forward, strictly because they felt, Bill Gare and the GM felt like this team is not going to do anything moving forward 
under the current leadership group inside that locker room. You can bring in talent, you can sign this guy, trade for this guy. It's not going to matter unless there's a different group leading the way moving forward. And they took a big short-term hit in doing so. And, you know, I, I mentioned taking a, a hit in the short term, but winning in the long run. Hey, the Minnesota Wild actually ended up winning a decent amount in the short term as well. Now we'll see what happens now that the cap hits are going to be, you know, punishing them pretty good on the salary cap for the next few years. But it's pretty clear that the Wild had a plan. They were willing to do it, even though there was a lot of repercussions because of it. And I would argue even with, even with like, what is it, 13, 14 mil and dead salary cap this upcoming season, that they're in a pretty strong place moving forward with the group that they have running things now. So I do wonder if Kevin Shevelyov maybe took a peek down south at what was going on there and thought, you know what, this is something that's applicable to the team that I'm trying to build here. And, and I wonder if the news of Wheeler being shopped right now is kind of the official sticking point in the sand that the Winnipeg Jets have reached a place of no return when it comes to their main leadership group and that this is the sign that there's going to be a new captain next season and there's going to be a, a new assistant captain as well and that both Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley are not going to be with the team next season. That, that's That's the way I see things playing out as of right now or at least that's the way Kevin Shivaleyev wants things to go. It's it's clearly and obviously much, much easier to move Mark Shifley and not only move him, but get a good return coming back the other way for him, despite all the issues that have happened in Winnipeg over the past couple of seasons here. that That's quite obvious. The Wheeler situation is clearly much more complex and complicated. And this is where... Hey, this is where GMs all earn their money, but this is where I think you might see a pretty decided split about how the club should go about things according to the fan base here. Because it's easy to say, yeah, move Blake Wheeler. You know, he's not the player that he once was, even though he's still a productive player, point-wise. It's easy to say that, but <laughs> what if you have to attach a first-round pick to move him? What if you have to attach a prospect to move him? What if you have to eat two to three million dollars worth of salary on that cap hit for the next two seasons? What if you have to buy him out at this point? Right? Like there's it's not as easy as saying, yes, we should move him, get it done, <laughs> clap your hands and away we go here. There there's going to have to be some, I imagine at least, some kind of sweetener or some kind of poison pill that the Winnipeg Jets are gonna have to take here to move that $8.25 million cap hit off of their books. And and I wonder. Like, I wonder for Jets fans, and let me know about this, you know, on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. How far would you be willing to go to move the contract of Blake Wheeler? For me personally, you know, if I'm Kevin Chevaldeoff and I look at the situation and I feel like the only way the culture can change and the team can move forward is if the leadership group is moved out of the city then I'm going to be pretty aggressive in trying to find a way to make that happen. Now, for me, aggressive means shopping Blake Wheeler to any team that's willing to listen across the NHL. I'd be willing to listen on deals that included a quote-unquote bad contract that is a year or two in length. Be willing to listen to some of my secondary assets as far as picks and prospects and things like that. But I'm not going 
out of my way on the trade market to ship Blake Wheeler out at any cost, right? Like, I'm not first-round picks, uh-uh. High-end prospects, no thank you. Because a buyout is not as punitive to the Winnipeg Jets as it was to the Minnesota Wild with Zach Parise and Ryan Suter. Plus, you take into account the fact that Blake Wheeler will have, you know, depending on the timing, either a full no-movement clause or I believe it's a five-team list that's submitted of of places that Blake would be willing to waive his no-movement, no-trade clause to. If it's limited to strictly playoff or contending teams, guess what? Surprise, surprise, a lot of them don't have cap space to work with, let alone you know, eight and a half million dollars that they can just slide in as as maybe a, a luxury piece inside their top six or top nine, right? Like it's it's a difficult fit to try to make that happen without some significant salary coming back the other way. So when I look at the fact that Blake Wheeler is out there on the trade market, third on Frank Saravelli's trade bait board, to me, it's not necessarily that a Blake Wheeler trade is imminent. To me, it's more so the fact that the Blake Wheeler era in Winnipeg is is nearing an end and, and possibly only days away here. I think that a buyout is the much more likelier option than the Winnipeg Jets finding a trade suitor to grab and take Blake Wheeler at whatever salary that may be, even though the Florida Panthers and new head coach Paul Maurice might be a match made in heaven between those two teams. I, I know there's a lot of dots to connect there and things that make sense, but yeah, Florida's in, in maybe as bad of a cap hell as, as any team in the NHL right now. I just don't know how they find a way to make that one work, but it does feel like it's the beginning of a new era here in Winnipeg and a new leadership group is about to emerge. And, and that's my main takeaway from this is, you know, not necessarily what a Wheeler trade would look like, what a Wheeler buyer would look like, all that. We'll actually get to that in our next episode later on this week. So we'll, we'll take a deep dive into how that might all come to fruition here. But it's more so that I feel more than ever and, and, and confident in my, on my perspective on this that we're going to see both Blake Wheeler and Mark Scheifele playing for a different team in the NHL next season. How that goes about? Well, we're going to find out in a couple of days and, and a couple of weeks here. But that's why this was, to me, the most impactful bit of news that came out this past week, is that there is going to be a significantly different team here in Winnipeg next season. And there is very, very few changes that could be made that are more impactful than moving out the captain and the face of the franchise. Somebody, too, by the way, that gives like busts his ass out there on the ice. Effort's never an issue with Blake Wheeler. But it's pretty clear that it seems like the Winnipeg Jets have identified that their biggest weakness as of right now is a lack of accountability and turmoil inside that locker room. And the only way, really, to get rid of that is to move out the players that helped run that locker room for these past few seasons. So we are in for an absolute doozy of a couple of days here. And I think this offseason is going to kick off with a bit of a bang as well. So we'll have to stay tuned and see what that means for the Winnipeg Jets. But yeah, significant change is coming. And it's going to be coming pretty quickly. And we'll have a much, much different roster for Game 1 of next season. We also might have a much different roster, at least down the middle, two years from now. 
with another bit of news from the player side of things that kind of rocked the boat here in Winnipeg. We'll get to that. And also, 2.0 coaching search here for the Winnipeg Jets with the news that Barry Trotz will uh, take some time to step away from the NHL next season. We'll get to all that in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The Stanley Cup has been handed out, but there's still a chance for you to win big by the time next season rolls around because not only does DraftKings have same-game parlays where you can turn a small bet into a big payday, but you can also take advantage of a big-time deal anytime with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So we got the news that Wheeler's out there on the trade market. Quite possibly joined by Mark Shifley. Oh, and quite possibly joined as well by freaking Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> just just a year, just, what is it, a year and a half, two years after you ship out the former number two overall pick, the Messiah and Patrick Line for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, he might be making his way out of town sometime soon, according to Elliot Friedman, at least. The report being that Friedman says that Pierre-Luc Dubois has informed the Winnipeg Jets that he plans to test out unrestricted free agency in two years when his RFA deals come to an end. And if you're testing the market, the most likely scenario is that you're heading out the door shortly thereafter. So a lot of Jets fans took this as the Winnipeg Jets essentially have two years left of Pierre-Luc Dubois before he leaves for quote-unquote greener pastures. My initial take on this one as well is that, hey, and I I get that, you know what, it's it's easy, it's easy to go worst case scenario as a Winnipeg Jet fan because you're constantly dealing with this small city little brother syndrome here in the NHL where people, quite frankly, don't don't appreciate Winnipeg for the jewel that it really is compared to some of the other cities across the NHL. So I, I get that, you know, a, an announcement like this is ripe for overreaction. But to me, a lot of the doom and gloom that came from this is quite frankly not based in reality as of just yet. Because <laughs> when you look at the situation as a whole, why wouldn't Pierre-Luc Dubois go this route, Right? You know, I, I know we, a few episodes back, looked at what a long-term deal might look like for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But even doing that, I still felt like that was probably the, the more unlikely of scenarios here. Because if you're in Pierre-Luc Dubois' shoes, unless you're blown away with some kind of crazy, crazy offer on a long-term deal, why in the world would you accept that as of right now when you could potentially push that a year or two down the road, right? Like... Put yourself in PLD's shoes here and you know what? You'd probably take the advice of your agent and, and essentially do what you've done over the last little while here. One, you make the announcement that you're going to test free agency in two years. Classic negotiating ploy there to try and put as much pressure on Jets management as possible there. Whether or not it's true, it's it's a pretty, I think, 
reasonable tactic to throw out there, right? And look, maybe it's true, maybe it isn't. I, I, I don't know one way or the other. The one thing I do know is that, you know, I got a younger brother who's in his early 20s. I was in my early 20s as well. I think everybody knows a few people in that age bracket. They generally don't know what they're going to do two years from now, let alone two weeks from now, right? Like, <laughs> long-term planning is not necessarily the strong suit of somebody in their early 20s. While they might think something right now, things can very easily change in a month, in six months, in a year, in two years, right? Just because somebody thinks one way right now doesn't mean they'll think that way when it comes time to officially make that decision in a couple of years. So, so there's that part of it, too. The other part is you're coming off, we can call it, I guess, a career year or at least a, a rejuvenation, one of the better seasons of his young career. You're also coming off a pretty damn impressive performance at the World Championships. Do you want to cash in and push all your chips in right now on a long-term deal? Or do you want to maybe give it another go for a full season beside either a Kyle Connor or a Nikolai Ehlers? See if you can crack 70, 80 points this year and then head back to the, to the, to the negotiating table with a little more of a padded resume and then try to hit big on a... Nine, $10 million a year contract with the salary cap also rising at that point as well. It makes a lot of sense from the dollar side of things for PLD to take. I, I mean, I can't imagine the Jets offer him a two-year deal, right? But it makes a lot of sense for him to try to push for a one-year deal and head back to the negotiating table for next season. And on top of all of that, we've mentioned there is a high probability for significant change with the faces of the Winnipeg Jets right now. And when one of those faces is currently the center ahead of you on the depth chart as of right now, you might want to wait and see how this offseason plays out before committing six, seven, or eight years of your professional career in one location. You want to get a better sense of where this team and organization is heading before you make a six, seven, eight year commitment. All of this makes a ton, like when, when you take all of those factors into consideration here, you kind of left looking at this going, yeah, why why wouldn't Pierre-Luc Dubois say what he did and try, try the short-term play as opposed to, you know what, hell to all of that. I'm just going to sign seven or eight years right now because I had a pretty good year and I'm going to make I'm going to make good money and, and not have to worry about this for the rest of my life moving forward, right? Like, I, I think when you take everything into account there, it more than makes sense for Dubois to try to put pressure on Chevy and company right now and wait to see where things are at next season. Because, you know, one of the things is, you know, maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois as of right now is looking at where he is in his career and, and where the Winnipeg Jets were this past season. And he's like, you know what? I am going to test free agency in two years. But what if, for example, the Jets do move on from Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler this upcoming season? What if the dressing room is a more harmonious place to exist as a, as, as a hockey player? And either a C or an A is added to your jersey and some leadership responsibilities are thrusted your way. And then you play 20-plus minutes a night. And then you are flanked by a potential 50-goal scorer or a point-per-game Danish winger. And that sees your point production elevate to a level you haven't reached yet. 
maybe when all of those things happen concurrently, all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I've got a pretty good year and I'm down to spend six, seven, eight years of my life in my prime in this location because this is now my team and I want to be the player that pushes this club to elevated heights like we just saw the Colorado Avalanche reach, right? Like there's a lot of, for me, there's so many things that can happen in such a short amount of time that it really isn't worth worrying over if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan just yet. And I say just yet because in a year's time, then it becomes time to worry about it, right? Like we've already gone through this with the Jacob Truba situation. Next year is going to be decision time. Right now is not necessarily that time. I think you have two years of control, you play this upcoming season out, and then you take stock and you and you see where things are at and you make a decision after that. Because while you may get more value if you move Pierre-Luc Dubois right now, if as Jets management, you look at the situation and go, ah, you know what, doesn't want to be here, let's find somebody that does want to be here and we'll chart our path accordingly, there's a pretty strong recent track record of teams moving players that everybody knew wanted out of town but still getting tremendous return back for those guys despite apparently being in a lack of a position of power to make a deal right like you you talk about just this past offseason Seth Jones I want out of Columbus I got one year left on my deal all right we'll ship you to Chicago you can sign an extension there and Columbus gets an absolute haul in return for a guy that everybody knew they had no choice but to move out the door or risk them leaving in free agency for absolutely nothing. Going back a little bit further, the Matt Duchesne trade in Colorado. A little bit of a different situation, but still, everybody knows Joe Sackick has to make a move. He waits and waits and waits. And ultimately, you get a potential all-star in Bowen Byram for him, a move that just may have catapulted the avalanche into a Stanley Cup victory, right? Like, just because teams know you have to move a guy doesn't necessarily mean you're getting 25 cents on the dollar back. I think the Seth Jones trade is a, is a perfect example. Even the Jacob Truba trade as well, right? You can move a guy that wants out, has a year left on his deal, and still get a pretty damn good return coming back your way. So I, I think that's the move for the Winnipeg Jets. Sign a one-year deal. It'll be six ish million dollars I imagine enjoy Pierre-Luc Dubois your center again this season and then you tackle this thing again going into this upcoming season in, in 2023-2024 one thing I do want to touch on quickly before we move on to the coaching search for the Winnipeg Jets as that continues is that with the Wheeler news with the Pierre-Luc Dubois announcement, with Mark Scheifele maybe being on the trade block as well, with Connor Hellebuck's not necessarily trade request, but if we're rebuilding, I want to trade out of here thing. I, I have seen a lot of people champion the thought that the Winnipeg Jets should commit to a full-on rebuild right now. That that if if you're moving significant pieces of this core out the window, that your window is officially slammed shut and it's time to go from chasing Stanley Cups to chasing lottery picks. And while I understand that being in the middle in the NHL, really in any sport right now, being in the middle just keeps your tires spinning and you don't ultimately get closer to that goal of winning a Stanley Cup, 
I just really, really disagree right now that this is the time for the Winnipeg Jets to go in that direction. It is, it is so easy. It's so easy for a fan base. It's so easy for ownership and management and anybody to say, it's time to rebuild, blow this thing up. Let's pick up prospects and high-end talent through the draft and we'll build our team that way. And away we go. The rest is history. It's so easy to say it. It's so insanely difficult to do. There are way more teams that try to go the rebuild, blow it up route that fail than teams that find a way to make that work and turn things around relatively quickly. I I just I feel like the Winnipeg Jets have done some of the most difficult parts of building a team, and that's finding high-end talent. They've got a Vesna caliber goaltender. They've got a potential 50-goal scorer, a 50-goal winger. They've got a potential point-of-game winger. They've got, as of right now, Pierre-Luc Dubois, a potential blossoming number one power forward centerman. And Josh Morrissey played like a top pair defenseman this past season. Like, there's a ton of high-end assets on this team. I'm way more willing to try to tinker and let's see if we can add an impact piece here or there. Or if we move this guy out, bring somebody similar in. I, I would way, way rather try to change the composition and, and the mix of this team as opposed to just, eh, let's throw our hands in the air. We quit. We'll take a run at Connor Bedard this season. It probably won't work. And then we'll try to make this thing work in three, four, five years down the road. I, I, I just, I think that's, I think that's not the right card to play right now if you're the Winnipeg Jets. To, to me, you go into this season. Sure, you can move Mark Shafley out if you want to go that route. Blake Wheeler out as well. If you want to make those moves, that's fine. But see what you have in Dubois as a potential number one center. See how high Kyle Connor can take his game. Ehlers, Morrissey, Hainala, Sandberg, Perfetti, whoever else you want to throw in there. To, to me, it makes a lot more sense to change the composition of the team, but elevate some of these youngsters into, into higher-end roles, right? Like, it's not, it's not a rebuild, but you're trying to place a lot more importance and emphasis on the youth. And then after this season... Again, you could take stock and see what direction this franchise needs to go and, and if a rebuild is on the table. Because I think next season, you'll have a much, much better idea of where you need to go. And I think that, I think a lot of people forget that if you want to blow things up and go that route, it's three years of irrelevancy. Like this team will suck. <laughs> They'll suck for three years at, at the bare minimum. And then there's no guarantee that it pans out immediately afterwards. So some teams get it right. A lot of teams don't. And I just don't think the Winnipeg Jets are at that point just yet. As an organization with the group that they have. That they can just say. Let's try to push our chips in for Connor Bedard. And hey if it works then we're golden. And, and away we go. I, to, to me there's a lot more merit in trying to augment what you have on this team right now. As opposed to playing the lottery game, which, which we know is is a, a tough one to win, even if you're an awful, awful team. And that's the other part of it, too. Like, even if the Jets, say, sell off, sold off, sell off, sold off a bunch of their high-end assets, what does that make them? Like, the fifth or sixth worst team in the NHL? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't know. You look at Arizona and, and Buffalo. I mean, they're well, well ahead of... 
where the Jets would be in the suck department, that you're not going to pass either one of those teams. Then you have New Jersey, Detroit, Philly, Columbus is like there's Anaheim, maybe even San Jose, right? Like even if the Jets did decide to blow it up this offseason, that might get you the eighth pick. <laughs> and, and as we all know, the eighth pick, while it can be a great player, is no guarantee at number one, number two, or number three. So, uh, yeah, blow it up. I, I don't want to hear that talk just yet. This, to me, is a conversation to be had sometime next year if things go poorly once again for the Winnipeg Jets in the regular season. Now, we'll wrap things up on, unfortunately, a bit of a deflating note. Because, as we all know by now, Trot's Watch has come... To maybe the worst end possible. And that's, well, I wouldn't say the worst end. I think the worst end might have been seeing him coach the Vegas Golden Knights. But it comes to a disappointing end, at least, for the Winnipeg Jets and their fan base. And that Barry Trotz has decided to put family first, step aside from coaching for a year, and then maybe reassess where he's at. But he will not be taking the Winnipeg Jets head coaching job and assistant GM job. He will not be a head coach for the Winnipeg Jets this upcoming season. So it's it's a, they look... If we want to boil it down to its most simplest factor, this sucks. It, it sucks. really does. Because it looked like all the stars were aligning for the Winnipeg Jets to get super lucky and have the opportunity to bring on quite possibly the best coach in the NHL, the hometown boy, all those factors. It, it, everything seemed to align at the perfect time. And then the rug is whipped out right from underneath you and, and you fall flat on your face. So, it, it yeah, it, it really does suck because it seemed like a legitimate possibility for so long here. And Trotz, the other part of it is that Barry, I don't know what the point total, what the, what the point adjustment might be, but like Barry Trotz himself might be worth five plus wins to any team. You know what I mean? Like I, I, some of the high-end players in the NHL are worth four to five wins. Right when you when you look at the analytical side of things, Barry Trotz might be worth four to five. Like he would have been a superstar hire for the team, and so it's unfortunate that the Winnipeg Jets couldn't find a way to get it done. I, I don't blame the Jets at all in not getting Barry Trotz to come on board. It's just hey, look at what the other teams in the NHL offered him. The Flyers offered him seven million dollars a year. The Jets probably had a pretty damn competitive offer to go along with that. It's just teams couldn't convince him. I don't think the Jets failed. They just couldn't convince Barry Trotz to continue his coaching career for this season here. So it does suck. And now the Winnipeg Jets find themselves in the unenviable spot of essentially going to plan B here. And all the candidates knowing that they're plan B or plan C for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, I guess... My biggest concern now that Trotz isn't going to be in the fold is that the Winnipeg Jets' all-out pursuit of the Prince of Dauphin might have cost them one of these other worthy candidates that's been hired by one of these other clubs, specifically Bruce Cassidy, who is right up there with Barry Trotz in terms of coaching impact, in my opinion. Like, And that's kind of an unknown. Maybe Cassidy was destined to go to Vegas regardless of what happened here in Winnipeg. But you hope that the Jets putting all their eggs in Trotz's basket didn't preclude them from getting a high-end coach to come here in Winnipeg. But now the focus shifts towards, well, if, if not Trotz, who else is it going to be and, and who's the next best option here? Still a ton of viable candidates for the Winnipeg Jets to choose from. 
I guess if I had to make my pick, I, I, I think Jim Montgomery would be my next choice. And it sounds like the Winnipeg Jets might be leaning towards that as well. I know there's the concerns with his with his addiction history in, in Dallas and the way things didn't work out there. I, I'm not necessarily concerned about that. I, I look more so towards the fact that it, it sounds like he's got a good support system in place. You look at his coaching job that he did in Dallas, and, and the Stars were in a really, really good spot before he was forced to leave there. Champion in NCAA. Great job with the St. Louis Blues this past season as an assistant coach. A guy with a track record of success wherever he's gone. I would love to see that continue here in Winnipeg. And I don't think it would be at the detriment to the young talent that here is, is here as well. It, it seems like Jim Montgomery is a bit of a progressive coach. Somebody that can work with the youth but cater to the vets as well. I, I, I think that would be my number one choice here for who the Winnipeg Jets should turn to next. I really hope that the focus isn't going to be on the Moose slash Winnipeg connection that that True North seems so hell-bent on on making a tradition as to who gets hired here. But for everybody that's... And I kind of found myself in this spot for a while here. But I guess my main thing when it comes to the coaching search here in Winnipeg is that for everybody that is despondent about Barry Trotz not landing here as the head coach and, and maybe some of the options being somewhat underwhelming on paper at least, would be to take a look at the Stanley Cup Finals and what we just saw take place. One of the best finals we've seen in, in, in decades. Tremendous, tremendous hockey. And the two men leading those two teams were both first-time head coaches with those clubs. So just because a no-doubt-about-it top high-end head coach decided not to sign here, it doesn't mean the Winnipeg Jets are screwed this upcoming season behind the bench, right? There could be a name we haven't heard of just yet. I mean, Luke Richardson, I think, is going to be a tremendous hire in Chicago. But you know what? Maybe it's a Pascal Vincent. Maybe it's a Mike Vellucci. Maybe it's, you know, name some guy that hasn't got a shot just yet. Maybe it's a Kirk Muller, too. Somebody that's on their second coaching hire, right? But Jared Bednar was almost a one-and-done in Colorado. But the Avs were patient with him, gave a young head coach a chance, and look at the job he's done there. John Cooper was not a well-sought-after name when the Tampa Bay Lightning put him in charge in place of Guy Boucher. And obviously, John Cooper is one of the best of the biz as well. If the Jets do decide to go that route, it doesn't necessarily mean doom and gloom here. There is a pretty strong track record of first-time head coaches finding a spot with an organization and becoming really, really successful bench bosses. So it sucks, but I still feel pretty confident that there is a... There's still a wide group of talented head coaches here that the Winnipeg Jets can bring somebody on board and still have that be a significant improvement over what we saw behind the bench here in Winnipeg next season. So, again... Unfortunate result, but I still think there is a ton of room for optimism and that the Jets could find themselves a bit of a diamond in the rough. Maybe it might ultimately be something that we look back on and say, wow, I mean, imagine where this team could have went with Barry Trotz, but man, oh man, were we ever lucky that plan B was this guy. That's the route I'm going with, at least. We'll try to end on a bit of a positive note after a, a newsworthy week that was basically negative, negative, negative here at Winnipeg. 
I'm still holding out hope that the Jets are going to find the right guy for the job sometime soon. But that's where we'll leave this episode. We'll cap it there. Thank you guys so much for stopping by once again. We'll get back at it at the end of the week on Friday. I mean, we'll we'll take a look at any news that might drop in that time. We, we might have to, to switch gears and talk about some potential trades or coaching hires. But if none of that comes to fruition, what we will do is take a look at the Blake Wheeler trade talk and see what that might exactly look like. Are there teams out there that would be willing to make a deal? What would the Winnipeg Jets be looking at in terms of a sweetener to take on Blake Wheeler or what might be coming back for somebody like Blake Wheeler? And is there any recent historical comparables we can look at to get a sense of what the Winnipeg Jets might go down as far as a path in a trade for Blake Wheeler? Plus, maybe a buyout is the best option if the Winnipeg Jets are looking to part ways with their current and maybe former captain that will be the the initial plan for the episode on friday but we'll we'll obviously take a deep dive into any other breaking news that happens in the days to come here until then though thank you so much for stopping by and listening to another episode of skates and plates right here on the hockey podcast network i'm your host brandon rewicki like i mentioned back at it on friday morning until then enjoy the rest of your week stay safe everybody Peace.